0: Amen. Uh, Kids up through fifth grade, you guys are already on your way uh, to your classrooms. For the rest of you, would you please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. We'll be in verses 16 to 20 this morning. Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Thank you, worship team. Uh, Man, love that song, Uh, just love that, singing that truth. Does our God intend to dwell again with us? And the answer, he does. And uh, what a day that will be, church, and we long for that day. As you're turning uh, to this passage this morning in your Bibles, I do have a confession to make. Uh, by the way, my name's Mike. I'm uh, one of the pastors here at Rock Prairie. Uh, if you're new with us, so glad that you've uh, joined us in worship this morning. But I, uh, first thing uh, you're going to hear from me is a confession, which is, uh, for most of my life, I grew up going to church, and uh, for most of my life, even up through like my time in seminary, uh, if uh, you know, I'd get to church and all of a sudden the scripture that we read was had just had the word nations in it, and we started singing a couple songs about the nations, and you know I'd be like, okay. Mission Sunday. Yep, here we go. And, uh, um, you know, so how how was church? Yeah, it was fine. It was Mission Sunday. You know, it was fine. So it never, ever really, uh, and this is just me confessing, never resonated with it, never felt like it was for me, thought it was great for people who, you know, like living in other countries and want to feel like they want to go tell people about Jesus. That's great. Didn't feel like it had anything uh, to do with me at all. And, um and what changed for me in that was seeing in God's word that uh, the, the gospel going to, nation, to the nations is the heart of God. And um, if I didn't care about what God's heart cared about, then the problem was squarely with me. And so this morning, if you're, if so I just want to say that to say this morning, if you're kind of feeling, okay, Mission Sunday, yep, that's great. I, um, I just wanna encourage you to, uh, to kind of think about and pray about uh, what we're gonna be talking about this morning, maybe ask the Lord to soften your heart to it because truly I believe that uh, this is God's heart. And uh, every morning, every Sunday when you walk uh, into this uh, worship center, the sanctuary, uh, you walk under the words, our mission statement as a church, which is to make Christ known. You can finish it from our neighbors to the nations. Very good. And uh, that's not just an accident. We don't just tack the word nations on there because it sounds good or because it starts with an N like neighbors does. Um, truly, that this is the mission of our church, and we're going to see it this morning. This is uh, this morning is the final Sunday of our series, Jesus and the Kingdom of God, that we started in uh, January 1st, and that I thought was going to run through April. And here we are in uh, August 13th, and we're finally finishing it off. And uh, this is what we see this morning is Jesus has just accomplished the greatest thing in the history of the universe, which is his death and resurrection, and now we see what is the first thing that he tells his disciples after he's accomplished his mission, and that is in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. So if you look there with me, I'm going to read it, and then we will pray and jump in because we've got a lot to get to this morning. Matthew 28. to the end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we thank you uh, that Jesus is worthy uh, to take the seal and open the scroll. And um, he is the only one. And he came to ransom uh, for himself a people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. And that is uh, close to your heart, God, and so I just pray that it would be close to ours as well, that through this morning and other things, Lord, that you would just begin to uh, uh, slowly reveal to us the part that you want us to play in the carrying out of this great commission that you have given us. We want our heart to be close to yours, God. So I just pray that you would use our time this morning to do that. Give us a greater longing uh, for that day when missions isn't necessary anymore. But we're not there yet, God. And so until that day, may we work hard at the task at hand. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the story of the Bible, in many ways, is a story of two kingdoms. Two kingdoms. We have the kingdom... Of mankind, which is filled with sin and sickness and darkness and death. This is the kingdom as described in the Chronicles of Narnia. As it's always winter, but never what? Christmas. That's right. Some of you have read it. Who's read? Who's read? Line witch in the wardrobe. Seen the movie? Yeah. Go, keep, wait, raise your hands. Okay, a good. I was going to say very few raise your hands. I was going to do a public church shaming right here, but we're good. This is a good. This is a good uh, thing to read. Uh, it's always. I mean. Good grief. What's worse than that? Always winter and never Christmas. And uh, that is the world that we live in. So that's the one kingdom. And then you have the second kingdom, which is the kingdom of God, otherwise known as the kingdom of heaven. Used, uh, both of those terms are used in scripture, which is filled with life and joy and peace forever. And when Jesus came, what did he come announcing? The kingdom of heaven is what? Here now. Yeah. It's at hand. It's right here. He came and he brought with him the kingdom of heaven. And so he's announcing that this endless winter and never Christmas is about to thaw. And Colossians 1.13, which you see on your screen, puts it like this talks about what the gospel is. He has de- delivered us from the domain of darkness, from the kingdom of darkness, and transferred us, took taken us out of that kingdom and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus came to pluck us out of the kingdom of darkness and to bring us into the kingdom of heaven. And how did he do that? How did he do that? The most shocking way imaginable, right? He died, he was put to death, and then he rose again three days later. People who are died for, who are dead for three days uh, don't come back. But Jesus did. And we got to celebrate that last week, right? We had like a, a extra Easter celebration right in the middle of our church calendar. Who doesn't, can't get excited about that? We got to celebrate the resurrection last week. And uh, that is good news, that the kingdom of God has broken through. And Jesus is here, he has come to transfer us into the kingdom of the beloved son. But who is that good news for? The fact that Jesus came, that the kingdom of heaven is here, who is that good news for? Is that good news for everybody? What do you think? Yes, and... No, right? It's a little bit of both, right? It's not good news if you're part of the enemy kingdom, right? If you're working for the white witch, it's not good news that the winter is about to thaw, correct? Okay, thanks, guys. I appreciate you are here with me this morning. So God's kingdom coming is good news for the people who are a part of it, and it's bad news for the people who aren't part of it. You out tracking with me right now, right? Okay, very good. So how do you become a part of God's kingdom? What does Jesus say you have to do to become a part of God's kingdom? You have to repent and believe, right? That's what Jesus said. He came, in Mark chapter 1, he came announcing the kingdom. He said, repent and believe the gospel. Uh, repent of your sin. It's just a fancy religious word. It just means... Uh, acknowledge it, and turn from it. So repent and believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And uh, let me ask you a really tough question now, church. You're going to have to really put your thinking caps on for this one. Okay, I'm testing you early. You ready? No, (laughs) we're not ready. Is it possible to believe in something that you've never heard of? No is the answer. (laughs) And I only say that because that's what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 10. He says, how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? How can you believe in Jesus if you've never heard of Jesus? Is it possible to believe in Jesus if you've never heard of Jesus? I'll give you this one. No. He says, and how are they to hear? How are they to hear about Jesus without someone what? preaching. Okay, so can somebody hear? Okay, so I need to hear about Jesus. How do you hear about Jesus? Can you, can you hear about Jesus if nobody is speaking about Jesus? No. And how are they to preach unless they are what? Sent. So if there's a people who have never heard about Jesus... And just walk back the logic with me, okay? And make sure we're awake this morning. There's people who have never heard about Jesus. How are they, what do they need to do? Hear about Jesus. How are they going to hear about Jesus? Somebody's going to tell them. How is somebody going to get there? Well, they have to be sent to that people to tell them about the new kingdom. Are we tracking with, it's not necessarily rocket science, right? We're kind of, it's, 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 thanks, Pastor Obvious. Like We get, we get it, uh, Mike. But if the kingdom of God is going to be good news, which it is, people have to believe. And to believe, they have to hear. And to hear, somebody has to go and tell them. And that's what our passage this morning talks about. We just see, I just love it because we see the heart of Jesus so clearly right here. Like, Jesus has just done the impossible thing, right? We could, I, could, I can't even sum it up for you quickly, and adequately, but to say that he came and was, and was successful in living a sinless life, and then was put to death, and in his death carried upon him the full weight of the wrath of God for all of sin of mankind, the thought of which we t- talked about in the garden, even just thinking about the wrath of God on him, made him start sweating blood, and I've been real stressed in my life many times, I've never sweat blood before, and he wanted to die just thinking about what happened and then it happened and then he rose again three days later and I just wonder do you think he wants his death and resurrection to actually actually accomplish something like do you think he cares if people are saved He's like, oh yeah I did that but so now guys it's up to you if you want to believe great if not I doesn't make a difference to me no of course not you think God, who, by the way, so loved the world that he sent his son, that whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life, do you think God the Father sent his son to die and then doesn't care if you believe? Of course not. And so we all kind of know, well, yeah, of course that's true. It makes sense. And then we kind of think about, we well, personalize it. I don't know about you. I've certainly struggled with the idea of like, well, God doesn't really care if I'm, like me, I'm saved, right? Like, he knows I don't deserve it. And uh, in fact, he'd probably be better off without me. And uh, maybe some of you struggle with that as well. And so if that's you, I just want you to see, like, the heart of Jesus right here in Matthew chapter 28. And right after he accomplishes it, what does he say? He says, you need to go and tell everyone what I've done and make disciples of all nations. And that's a beautiful thing. Jesus cares that you are saved because he loves you and he paid such a price. He cares, so I want you to know that this morning. This isn't necessarily even in my notes, but I just, I want you to know this morning, if you struggle to think God cares, I want you to know he does, and he loves you desperately, and he wants you to be saved, and he has given his disciples a mission right off the bat, right off the bat, we're gonna take a look at it, so look with me at verse 16. Let's take a look at what the mission is. Verse 16, now the, how many disciples? 11 disciples, Okay, right? Why 11? We're missing one, right? Who are we missing? Judas. Yep, he hasn't been replaced yet. And they go to Galilee to the mountain that Jesus directed them. And this is really interesting. This has confounded me for a long time. Verse 17. And when they saw him, Reunited with Jesus. Jesus told him to go to this mountain. They meet him up on this mountain, which again, we can think about Jesus and mountains and different experiences they've had worshiping Jesus on mountains in the past. And now he's accomplished what he's going to do. And they've come and they worship him, but some doubted, right? Just like lands with a thud, kind of, doesn't it? Some doubted. That's strange, isn't it? Does anyone feel like that's a strange detail to get? And we're not really. It's, we're not, it's not expanded on at all, so we can only speculate. There's kind of two ways that I think we can e- explain this. First of all, which is that they were um, just truly doubting. Like, there's no way this is actually Jesus. And um, I've always kind of thought, how could they doubt? Like, he's, he's right there. And yet, um, how often have you ever witnessed something like that before? A man coming uh, back from the dead after three days. Um, you haven't, and so if, if they're just like actually doubting the reality of what has happened, like we can, I can understand that. But there's actually another explanation for this that I like a little bit better, and it, it, there's another uh, kind of secondary translation for that word doubted, which is which is kind of like the word hesitated. So it's it's like if you think about, you're, you're like hiking, and you come across this river, and there's like a rickety bridge, right, That and you look at the bridge, and you kind of like I don't know if that's going to hold me, right? That's kind of that idea of, like, I'm doubting that bridge is going to hold me, and so I'm hesitating, like, to go across it. And I think this is actually a better understanding of this word, doubted, because it makes perfect sense to me why some of the disciples would have hesitated. Why would they have hesitated? Well, what have we talked about over the past probably four or five weeks? What have the disciples spent this last week of Jesus' life doing Abandoning him, betraying him, letting him down at every turn. Peter's denying him three times, right? And in Jesus' greatest hour of need, we're seeing over and over again. Remember at the Last Supper, what are they doing? Arguing about who's the greatest. And on and on it goes. And then the Garden of Gethsemane, what are they doing? They all fall asleep. Like they've just let him down at every turn. And now, boom, here he is, the Messiah, the risen Lord, right here in front of me. I'm a little nervous, right? What's he going to say when he sees me? Because, man, I've just let him down big time. Does that make sense? And what does Jesus do? Rebukes them, right? No, <laughs> he doesn't. It's just beautiful. It's like it's the, the fact that there's nothing after their, uh, about their doubt and their hesitation. is just like a beautiful, like Jesus just g- glosses past it. <laughs> And uh, it makes sense because he's just paid for all their sin. <laughs> it's, it's, all, it's all paid for. And so they hesitate and they doubt. And they, when this is, again, maybe this is over-reading the text, so it, take it with a grain of salt. But the way I understand it is they're kind of coming to him with like, Oh, man, I've let Jesus down, and is he, gonna, is he really going to welcome me back in? And he just, just glosses over it. And we see this, and the reason we can uh, preach this confidently is uh, we see it in the parable of the prodigal son. As well, right? And so, just another reminder again for you: If you're, man, I just don't, I just don't think Jesus wants anything to do with me. I, I'm just hesitating, even coming to Him, because He's gonna, He's gonna reject me. He has to reject me. I deserve to be rejected. And uh, the only true statement of those is the last one: <laughs> Yeah, you deserve to be rejected, but He will not uh, cast you out. And praise God. I mean, can we get an amen for that? Amen. Amen, this is good, this is good news. And uh, so Jesus comes and he says to them, verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Man, <laughs> now we could spend a whole sermon on just that statement right there, couldn't we? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. These are the two kingdoms we just talked about, right? What's, what's heaven? The kingdom of heaven is God's realm and earth is humanity's realm, and who rules it all? Jesus. Every square inch of God's realm and every square inch of humanity's realm are, are ruled by Jesus, and so do you live in one of those places? Yeah. So does, does Jesus have full authority over your life? Yeah, he does, and uh and so if Jesus has authority to t- uh, over your life, then he has the authority to tell you like, what your mission is of your life. And, uh, and this is what he does in verse 19. I have all authority in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. That's your mission. And if that's your mission, we need to spend the rest of our time this morning talking about it. That's what we're going to do. So we're going to talk about the what. What is your mission? Why is it your mission? And how are you supposed to carry out your mission? And then we're going to hear from some people in our church who are making this their goal. So first of all, that's where we're going this morning. So what is the mission? I'm going to get the whiteboard here and try to not make it too awkward as I roll it over here. The AV team has put some nice little tape marks on the floor. So we're going to, there we go. And um, good. (laughs) That was not a a stage reaction. I thought I forgot my marker, and I don't know what I would have done, because it's all the way in my office, and I would have had to filibuster for a long time. But we got it, and hopefully this one works. All right. Can we recover from this and move on? Okay. Jesus says, verse 19, I want you to look at it again. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And for most of my Christian life, like I said, I have agreed that this is, uh, yeah, this is the Great Commission, but I've focused only on the middle part, those two words, make disciples, right? Right? Uh, this is what we're supposed to do. What does Jesus say we're supposed to do? Make disciples, right? And this is not false. Uh, this is true. Uh, however, it's not the whole story. I, but I thought that other part, again, the going to the nations, the, you know, uh, go and make disciples of all. Well, I live in a nation, and so I can just, I don't, I can ignore the go, and I can just make disciples right here, and that can be my mission. Gee, uh, and you know, other stuff isn't for me, um, but the point is that Jesus wants me to make disciples, is what I thought. Even the grammar in the sentence, right? It just made sense to me. It's, uh, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to make. What are we supposed to make? Disciples. And simple as that. The other stuff is just extra. And the problem is, I was... Um, wrong about that. And it actually uh, took a Greek lesson for me to see that. And so this morning, I mean, if you're new with us, we never do this, uh, but we're doing a Greek lesson this morning. Who's up for a Greek lesson this morning? And it's, yeah, we're gonna, uh, we, I've got some weird, weird hands being raised, like four people saying that's me. Um, so good for you guys. I'm right there with you. So here we go. Flip this around. Oh, Pastor Mike, your planning is just impeccable. I was going to do the big reveal, but I didn't know it would be upside down. Okay. (laughs) Which also, you probably wouldn't have even noticed it was upside down because it's in Greek anyway, but um, this is right side up. There's a couple of you who would have noticed, and this is for you. So, uh, there's my marker. Okay. So, this is the sentence here, and um, there we go. Oh, we got it on the screen. And everything. So um, the verb here isn't the Greek word for make. It's a word that we don't have an English word for. And so we use multiple words uh, in our translations. But this verb, what Jesus says, the first thing is to disciple make. So all of a sudden... We're not supposed to just make disciples. Here's what we're supposed to do. The verb is disciple make. And then the object is panta, all, ta, ethne, the nations. And I don't know about you, but this kind of changed things for me a little bit. Like When you really see the force of what Jesus is saying, because, again, in our translations, you go and make disciples of all nations. But Jesus said, go and disciple-make the nations. It wasn't just go and make disciples, and then if the nations are part of that, that's great. Jesus says, disciple-make, mathe tusate, everyone say that, say mathe tusate. Good job. Disciple-make, All the nations. And this is the one thing that is on Jesus' heart and mind after he raises from the dead. Because now it's not just a, yeah, we're we're all supposed to make disciples thing. Now it's like the heart question. Am I willing for my heart to be close to what Jesus' heart is close to? Do I really care about disciple-making the nations, all the nations, by the way? And uh, this is a hard question, and this messed with me. This changed the whole trajectory of my life and my ministry, and uh, maybe some of you know me, think, yeah, Pastor Mike, he's just so passionate about missions. I, I just can't tell you, it was this, among other things, that helped me start to see I've been missing it completely. Jesus died, and he rose again, and he said, disciple make the nations. And then you start to go back and look in the Old Testament, and realize from the very beginning, God gave Adam and Eve a command to be fruitful and multiply, and do what? Fill the earth with people who are going to worship him. See, from the very beginning, this is what it was supposed to be all about, but it was just failure time and time again. Now, Jesus came and accomplished what he came to do, and he says, disciple, make all the nations. Go tell them. Do I care what Jesus wants me to do? And that's a really hard question. It's outside of the missions question. I mean, just think about that. Like, is there an area of my heart that I'm holding back from Jesus? He comes for me with his all authority in heaven and on earth, and I slap his hand away and say, no, Jesus, like that is that's, that's my domain. I know you got most authority in heaven and on earth, but I'm like I'm carving this area out right here, right? Maybe it's just me. <laughs> If Jesus gave us a mission, we need to be all in on his mission. And his mission is to disciple-make all the nations. And uh, we have a young man in our church who uh, was a part of... um a mission trip that the youth trip took last year called Engage Global. And that's where I, uh, many years ago, started to learn about these things for the first time. And he went, and the Lord uh, really convicted his heart. And uh, so he actually took a trip this last summer. And uh, he is away uh, at college right now, so he can't be here to share about it in person. But I asked him to just make a quick video. So I'd love to, for you to uh, see this video and uh, um, from Chris Adams and see what the Lord's been doing in his heart and what he's been up to when it comes to discipleship making all the nations. Go ahead and roll the video,
1: Aiden. Hello, Rock As many of you know, I just got back from a mission trip in East Africa. And so I'll just like to talk to you all about what I learned and how I got there over the last couple of years. Last summer, I went on a mission trip with Rock Prairie students to engage global. Where we talked about the unreached people groups and people of many different religions and the t- type of religions that hold people back from Jesus and what culture can look like and that all kinds of stuff just about the fact that we all have responsibility and what we can do that we all we all have a part that that's true that we're all supposed to be engaged in god's global mission by matthew 28. from that i went to college with that in mind and i was thinking about how i can put the into action at iu so i got involved in christian org and they ended up having mission trips at the end of this year and this is, it was a very open summer for me. Definitely felt led and God allowed it to happen through this church and through many other supporters. And it was just awesome. It really changed my experience of like the world and everything. So it was a Muslim people group. They had no access to the gospel, 100% Muslim. There was just so many things that were so different than America. You can't just go street preach. You can't just start talking about Jesus from the hilltops. You'll just get taken to prison or something. So we learned a lot about how to relationally talk to people, how to reach people through having a relationship first and then hearing about Jesus and then deciding to follow this on your actions based on the truth that you're sharing consistently and it being like a longer process. It's totally changed how I would act at IU. I think that would just be incredible if I could talk to people like that. We won't just reach Christians who have fallen off from the faith, but anyone, anyone from any religion, will just they'll see the truth by us continually sharing it in our lives. We talked about abiding, spending two hours a day with the Lord in the morning totally changed our mindset. How you walk around. You don't act the same if you spent two hours in the morning talking to Jesus. There's also a large spiritual component, just how how dark and how heavy the place was, because everyone was doing witchcraft and Muslim ideas at the same time. Ephesians 6, 12, the the fight was not against flesh and blood. It was against the spiritual forces there that everyone was praying against us reaching people. And you could feel it. And then that Jesus met us there and abided in us to make a difference in that community. I really hope this has helped somebody that um, someone sees just Jesus' heart for the nations and I'm excited to talk to any of you more about it. So glad you guys would help me go and just thank you. Hello, Rock Prairie. As many of you know, I just got back from a mission trip in East Africa. And that. To so I will like talk to you all about what world I learned and heart. how I got there.
0: Um, so we're called to go and uh, disciple-make all The Um, nations—that's the what of our mission. But why? Why is that our mission? We're going to talk really briefly about that. Um, First of all, we need to define what we mean by all the nations. Um, So when we when the Bible talks about nations, it's not really talking about like political uh, boundaries like we think about countries today. Uh, It's more uh, refers to like people or language groups, Um, and uh, so you can think about like. Let's use Tipton as an example. We have kind of two people, language groups. We have an English-speaking population in Tipton, which is our predominant, and then we have a smaller Spanish-speaking population in Tipton. And so if you, like, pretend that Tipton has not been reached with the gospel, and there's these two groups here, and uh, so pretend that, like, a Spanish-speaking missionary comes and shares the gospel uh, with the Spanish-speakers in Tipton, uh, is that going to help the English speakers know the gospel yet? No. Because um, you don't know Spanish. So, what would it take? Take someone um, knowing Spanish, or take somebody from the Spanish speaking population knowing English and coming and sharing that uh, with us. So, we think about uh, all the nations, there's so many uh, uh, language groups all over the world. Um, that uh, are just distinct from one another. And so just because uh, the gospel might be in a country, it doesn't mean it's going to reach that people unless somebody specifically learns that language and goes and tells them. And so we're called to bring the gospel across those language And culture groups, but why? Why is that? Well, there's uh, four reasons I want to just share briefly. The first is because uh, Jesus deserves it. We just sang that, right? Jesus deserves to be worshipped by all people over all the earth that He created, and now has authority. so just simply he deserves it secondly he died for it Um, Jesus came as the Jewish Messiah to the Jewish people but all along he made it clear that he wasn't only coming for uh, the people of Israel he died so that all people from all nations languages and tribes could come to knowledge of salvation thirdly Uh, Because this is what the whole story of the Bible is about. From the very beginning, uh, we see uh, the tree of life in Genesis chapter 2. And it's, it's put the, God puts it in the Garden of Eden, and anyone who eats of it will uh, live forever. And then strangely enough, it's one of the stranger things about the Bible. We don't hear about that tree at all, like, it's ever in the rest of the story until the very end. It, like, it's just at the beginning. It just pops up, and then it, it just pops up at the end in Revelation 22, which says this. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, "...bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations." The healing of the nations, of the nations, all along, God intended that people from every nation and tribe and tongue would be healed and restored and brought from the kingdom of always winter, never Christmas, into the kingdom of God. And this is good news. And these are three reasons why uh, Jesus gives a commission to the disciples. You might be wondering, maybe you're just like, you're really holding out here. You're like, Pastor Mike, uh, Jesus gave that commission to the disciples uh, back then, but why does it still apply to me now? Like, why do I have to do this? And there's a very simple reason, which is just simply that some still have not yet heard. Some still haven't heard. The task isn't finished yet. Uh, there are still places, some of you know this, others, this might literally be news to you for the first time. There's places all over the world where the name of Jesus has literally never been named. Like if you went there and you somehow learned their language and started talking about Jesus, they'd be like, who is that guy? Like, is that your uncle or something? Like, can we meet him? Like they would have no concept whatsoever about who Jesus is. And the only way uh, that, that every person in that group will then live and die without ever hearing the name of Jesus unless something changes. And that change is um, sending people to go and preach the good news so that's the why but we still have one more question which is the how the how we're going to go back to the whiteboard here uh just really briefly but how are we supposed to do it well jesus tells his disciples here again and this is something we could spend at least a sermon on but he says go and make disciples of all nations and he gives them two things to do what are the two things that he gives them to do what's the first we still awake, guys? I know it's, we're getting, getting a little long here. What's the first thing? Let's say it real loud and clear. Baptizing. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what's the second thing? Teaching them to obey what? Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. Now, um, is there a place that you can think of where baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit and teaching to obey all of Jesus' commands take place? Is there like a certain place that you can think of where these things happen? Biblically, where, the, where do these things happen? In the what? The church. The church. Local church. So if you go to the next slide there, Aidan... We believe that these things are supposed to happen in the local church. In fact, we believe that the Great Commission compels us to go to places that have never heard the gospel and plant local churches. And so if you want to know what's our church about, it's this. It's going to places that have never heard and planting local churches so that people who have never heard the name of Jesus can hear the name and be saved, be baptized, and um and be taught to obey everything that Jesus commands. And this morning, we're going to hear from one uh, more person in our congregation. Uh, unfortunately, because of security uh, concerns, that we're going to have to cut off the live stream at this time. So see you later to everyone who's been joining us on the live stream this morning.